Welcome to Rookie Rundown, the sports podcast for the casual fan. This week, we're discussing week one NFL action, the Boston Marathon, college football, plus we dabble in some mini golf. And then we're going to hop across the pond to discuss some soccer. And then we're going to hop right back to cover the WNBA Finals. Also, apologies if you hear our dog's ears flapping in the background. Yeah, we're recording on a wood floor right now, and uh, she's loud and fidgety. So That is all true. So, Jacob, let's go ahead and start with what everyone's talking about this week, the return of the NFL regular season. So, yeah, there were games, whatever, who cares. We're going to start with the number one headline, most egregious thing to come out of the NFL uh, this weekend, which, of course, high bar. Uh, The Cleveland Browns revealed a new midfield logo. I am not a fan of Christmas in September, but they decided that putting their logo, uh, Brownie the Elf, I swear to you, listener, that is legitimately the name of the mascot. Um, it looks like an evil Keebler elf in brown and orange. Um, I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say it is the dumbest thing I've ever seen on a football field, and I have watched the actual Cleveland Browns play. So... I guess I'm just more upset. I Okay, this is legitimately my first time hearing this about this. Uh, but I guess I'm just upset they couldn't come up with a better name than Brownie. Yeah. Like, was Tolberone taken? Maybe chocolate chip? Milk brown? No, it still has brown in it. This is pretty hard, actually. Yeah, but, like, their fans call themselves, like, the fan section is the dog pound. So it's really they could have come up with anything better than an evil Christmas elf getting ready. To, I mean, elves are small. They get punked. I feel like this is just obviously... Oh, like Bones. Bad karma. The Bones, the Brown's dog. You know, Bulldog. Oh. You can call him Bones. I mean, anything. All right, fine. But yeah, can you pull up a picture? Yeah, let me pull it up. Oh my, it really does look like, it really does look like an evil Keebler elf. Like, how did they get away with that? I have no idea. Um, the fingers look jaggedy. I just, I, I got a lot of questions. Okay, but the this website that we're looking at this picture on, which is ABC News, kind of makes it sound like Brownie the Elf has already been a thing and is not new. Yeah, but why would you put that on the field? Well, they wanted to cause a stir, obviously. Yeah, I guess. They are making headlines. I mean, look at their logo history. I mean, just woof. Ugh. What a bunch of clowns. Their logo. We're looking at the Cleveland Browns website right now at their official logos. And, uh, woof. You know what, though? None of them are racist, so I feel like that has to be said. (laughs) You're right. They (laughs) cry. They did get over that low bar. Cleveland Browns backers worldwide. Bet that's an unpopular logo. Man, they just... Man, whatever graphic design firm they are using, please reach out to me. I can help you. Oh, wait. Go back to that website you were just on, Jacob. Because it said that um, the brownie was voted for by fans in a poll. 
So new hypothesis, they picked it out because the people who voted in the poll were not actual Browns fans. Honestly, I was going to say the same thing, so. Either way, though, excited to see that on the big screen this football season. Oh, wow, that's so much worse looking at the little, at the, okay, we're looking at a picture of the brownie on the field, and there is a brownie mascot in a costume that is quite honestly terrifying. Like, that is horrifying. Yeah, they did a terrible job with this. Not that anybody's surprised, but, like, yeesh. I'm not a Browns hater like Jacob. I just think the elf brownie was an interesting choice. It was a bad choice. I'll say interesting. We haven't seen him play yet. Could be positive effect on their game. Well, let's uh, let's not make any promises the Browns can't keep. Speaking of promises that you can't keep, uh, formal, former Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson returned to his former home stadium uh, when his new team, the Denver Broncos, took on the Seattle Seahawks. It was uh, headlined as the Russell Wilson revenge game, and indeed, revenge was taken, um, except that it was the Seahawks who took revenge on Russell Wilson. He was booed basically the whole night, even though he took him to two Super Bowls, winning one. And uh, the Broncos are paying him $265 million. And uh, at the end of the game, they opted to take try to kick a 64-yard field goal, which they missed, instead of having him go for it on a fourth and five. So, so what you're saying is that they lost? They lost. No revenge. Tough. Yikes. And uh, it was a bad day all around the league for kickers in general, not just the Broncos kicker. I mean, 64 yards would be the second longest field goal in NFL history. So, you know, kind of makes it dumber. Um, The Indianapolis Colts cut their kicker, Rodrigo Blankenship. Uh, He kicked two kicks out of bounds in a game against the Houston Texans. We live in Houston. Everybody here knows the Texans stink. And uh, these two kicks out of bounds put them in position to keep the game into overtime. And then once they got to overtime, Blankenship missed a game-winning field goal pretty badly. So they cut him today. Oof, poor guy. Now, Jacob, we watched the Steelers... Who did they play? Bengals. Bengals game. And the Bengals kicker also missed a couple kicks. Yeah, he did. Uh, But that was a little bit different because their long snapper got injured. So they're having to use a backup long snapper, which is just one of their tight ends. And uh, it was was really just kind of some, some synergy issues. Oh, so like they were taking kicks because it was better than their long snapper alternative. Well, no, on the kicks, the the long snapper wasn't getting the ball back fast enough. Oh, for so the kick. Okay. It got one got blocked because it was slow, and then another one got missed because it was a high kick. Gotcha, high gotcha, yeah. okay. Speaking of that steelers Bengal game, uh, reigning defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt, did, uh, or at least he was rumored to have tore a peck. However, today, Tuesday, um, it was revealed that he did not fully tear it, so he will just be out for around six weeks as it heals. Oh, well, that's good news. Yeah, it's good news for Steelers fans. The season isn't over. I hate to see people injured in their games. Yeah, it's just a, I mean, it's just a part of playing a game that humans shouldn't be playing. Now, so. speaking of football, 
It sounds like a lot of games went into overtime. Didn't the new NFL overtime rules start taking place? They did, yes. So this year, both teams will have the opportunity to touch the ball in overtime, regardless of if one team scores a touchdown or not. Yeah, so I remember talking about that in last season of our podcast. Do you think that we've already seen a difference in how games would have turned out based on that new overtime rule? Um, I mean, I think so. Right, if a field goal could win it, then you know it would be sudden death. So, I, th- I think we've seen a difference. In which games was that? Where well, we the Steelers game. I mean, Steelers game would have been sudden death. Mm. I mean, they missed all those kicks, but you know, if not for that, it would have been over. Yeah, I guess if they had made any of them. Hmm. So it didn't really make a difference. No, not really. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Something to keep an eye out on. Uh, Speaking of exciting things to keep an eye out for, the 2023 Boston Marathon, which will be on April 17th, 2023, which is my birthday. I'll have to remember that. (laughs) Very funny. It's the 127th Marathon for Boston. And for the first time ever, non-binary athletes will be allowed to compete in their own division. So this is the, like, first major race that race that will allow this so athletes who want to compete must have a qualifying time from a marathon between september 1st 2021 and september 16th 2022 and they had to have been registered in that race as a non-binary athlete so how are they going to so normally with the boston marathon there's like a a time threshold for men or women yeah yeah i figured you were going to ask about that so here's a quote from an unnamed race official quote discussions are ongoing with non-binary athletes in an effort to further promote inclusion at all baa events with this being our first year we do not yet have enough data to establish non-binary qualifying times Therefore, we will use the times listed here as they are inclusive of the qualifying times for the two existing divisions, i.e. male and female. As we prepare for future races, participants can expect non-binary times to be updated accordingly. We review this, we view this first year as an opportunity to learn and grow together. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm really excited about this development. A Boston Marathon has a history of being a progressive race, so... In 1975, they were the first major marathon to add a wheelchair division. Wasn't the Boston Marathon the one where the lady ran it and was attacked? Or was that the New York Marathon? I have literally no idea. Okay. But yeah, and in other exciting record-breaking moments, four men in northern Kentucky broke the world record for longest mini-golf game on July 31st, 2022. So it was 24 hours... 116 and a half rounds, 14,664 strokes, and almost 20 miles of walking. They played 2,097 holes, which is 657 more holes than the previous world record, which was in Germany in 2005. Honestly, the least surprising part of the story is that it occurred in northern Kentucky. Yeah. And it is two, so it was four guys, and two of them were a father-son duo who, like, are Guinness World Record book, like, or not Guinness World Record book, but, like, world record... Chasers? Chasers, yeah. So they had previously played wiffle ball for, like, I think it was 30 hours. 
trying to break the world record and they did and then someone else played it for like a minute more than them and so then they went back and played wiffle ball for 36 hours straight um and now they're already talking about pickleball as like their next big thing i love mini golf in fact i love mini golf probably more than the average person but i just can't even fathom playing 116 and a half rounds yeah, 24 hours. It did sound kind of fun, though, so they made it like a neighborhood event. So there were, like, food trucks and different activities, and you could cheer them on. It was also interesting. So the father and the son, like, it was their idea first, and then they recruited two other people to join them. And it was interesting. The article I read from CNN talked about how they chose people. Um, and it was like they chose one guy who was really good at getting holes in ones. Because they thought that would keep the game moving. And then the other guy was a marathon biker. And so they called him the emotional like rock of the group. So he kept them like grounded. So it was really interesting. The son is a cross-country player, a collegiate cross-country runner. Um, so I think distance and extreme sports, like extreme long-lasting sports, is kind of their M.O. So was this on like an existing mini golf course or did they just go around the neighborhood hitting it randomly? Yes, it was on an 18 course, 18 hole mini golf course. Um, and then the neighbors all came and like parked outside and had like a fair. That is something. Yeah, it was really interesting. I mean, 24 hours. That is just crazy. So the reason this is important now is this month is when the new Guinness Guinness Book of World Records will be published. Um, so that father-son duo and their two friends are hoping that they will get to be in the book. So those names were Chris and Cole Hetzel, Tony Centers, and Bob Schotinger. So keep an eye out for them if you read the Guinness World Book of World Records. That is uh, something. It sure is. Jacob, you want to play pickleball for 36 hours? Probably not for 36 hours, but I do love pickleball, so we should play it. Uh, speaking of things I love, college football. So this was the, we'll call it the second and a half real weekend of college football. And the moral of the story, really the headline of the weekend, is uh, the Sun Belt Conference is the Fun Belt Conference. The Sun Belt Conference is what is classified as a group of five conference. So in the top division of college football, there are ten conferences. There's the quote-unquote Power Five, and then there's the, the lower, considered lower level, which is usually smaller schools, in the quote-unquote Group of Five. And the Sun Belt is one of those Group of Five conferences, and three of their teams went to Power Five team stadiums to play them and beat them including two teams which are in the top 10. So uh, Marshall University played at Notre Dame and won. Notre Dame was number eight. And Appalachian State played at Texas A&M, who was number six and won. And then the third team was Georgia Southern, who played at Nebraska and also won. Now, the best part about this is that combined, these three schools were paid $4.3 million to come play in these games. Wow. Free publicity, for, and you get paid for it. Yeah. So it's always embarrassing when a team, you know, they want you to come so that they can beat you in their home stadium, and they pay you money to show up, and then they pay you, you know, like $1.3 million and lose. 
Yeah, that that's rough. It is rough. But it's not as rough as the University of Iowa on the football field this year. Um, now, I say that their defense is elite. However, their offense is quite literally the worst offense in college football this year. It's not considerably close. Um, I am an Iowa State fan, which is rivals with the University of Iowa, and uh, I will relish this moment. They are dead last in total offensive yards and yards per play. They are dead last in total offense per game by over 70 yards a game. Wow. So um, not not at all close. And their quarterback, uh, his rating on ESPN is 3.4 out of 100. Hmm. So... That's pretty low. Sucks to be a Hawkeyes fan. I'm going to relish this moment. Hmm. Well, on a more positive side for fans, in the La Liga League, which is the Spanish league, at the Barcelona versus Cadiz game, a fan went into cardiac arrest, and Cadiz goalkeeper Jeremias Ledisama. That sounds right. Yeah, it sounds right. Apologies if you're listening to this. Jeremiah's Ladissima. Um, anyway, Ladissima threw a defibrillator from the field into the crowd, and medical staff were able to assist the fan and get them safely to a hospital ICU where they are hopefully still recovering. And then, nearly an hour later, the game resumed. And despite, you know, I'm sure having the crowd pumping him up, uh, Kitty is lost and Barcelona won 4 0. But still pretty cool. You know, he went above and beyond, I would say. I'm sure when the Cadiz fan woke up, um, you could say he was shocked. Oof. The pictures are really fun, though, because, you know, you can just see this defibrillator floating through the air. And it's the same kind of defibrillator that we have at work. So it's just kind of fun, you know. Well, not fun for the fan, but they're interesting pictures. It sounds like interesting. <laughs> what an absolutely maniacal story. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure no one's going to forget that one for a long time. I don't know how you could. Yeah. Speaking of things we won't forget for a long time, the WNBA finals are currently taking place. So that's down to two final teams, the Las Vegas Aces and the Connecticut Suns. So the first game, the Aces won 67-64. to and the second game is happening right now as we are recording this episode on Tuesday, September 13th. Tuesday, September 13th. So who knows how that goes. Um, it's best out of five. So two games in, hopefully three to go. The remaining games are on September 15th, 18th, and 20th. And the Aces are favored to win. So whichever team wins, the Aces or the Suns, it would be either team's first WNBA title. So this is really historic, no matter who wins. Yeah, it sounds. I mean, obviously, I don't know a lot about the franchise history of the Connecticut Suns or the Las Vegas Aces, um, but I do have some questions about why they're called the Connecticut Suns because I don't associate Sun with the state of Connecticut. Yeah, fair enough. Um, also, it's been a little controversial, but the Aces have been favoring a zone defense. So if you're watching the game, that's something to watch out for. Yeah, and I'm sure that's, you know, they must have matchup issues. They don't trust going one-on-one uh, -on -one with the Suns offense. Can't speak to the offensive scheme they're running, but must be pretty decent. Now, Jacob, I'm saying zone defense, 
but I did not look up what that meant because I knew you'd be able to explain it. So do you want to explain what a zone defense is? Yes, just to simplify it down a lot, there's basically two types of defense to play in basketball. You can play like man-to-man, which is you know one-on-one. You have a person, a guard, and you just follow them around the floor. And then there's zone defense, which is you guard whoever is in your general area or your zone. Interesting. So it looks like it's working since the Aces beat the Suns in the last game. Yeah, and I mean, it was a relatively low-scoring game at 67-64, to 64, so I guess defensive struggle. Yeah, the only thing do, to do now is watch the rest of the games. Sounds like it. For this week's final play, Allie, if you had to pick a sports league in which you were owning a team, which sport and league would you feel most confident to run a professional sports franchise? Okay, wait. So I would have to, like, what do you mean by own? Do you mean, like, actual owner or, like, general manager? Um, well, I meant owner slash general manager. Okay, because it would be, like, different answers for either one. So I would want to own an NHL hockey team because I think it would be fun. I would want to run a women's soccer team because I feel like by the time you're a professional women's soccer player, you probably can get the drama down to a minimum because there's not that many spots open for women's soccer players right now. Like, let's be honest. Wouldn't the drama be higher if there's more scarcity? No, I don't think so, because I feel like everyone wants to be there, and so they're not willing to do anything to risk, like, losing their spot. They're willing to do everything to ensure that somebody else loses their spot. I don't know. Also, I played women's soccer, so, like, that's the only thing I feel competent. Fair enough. Hmm. If I had to pick one, I think I would choose to own an NFL team, because they are lucrative. Um, But if I had to choose... A sport in which I would like be the general manager, I would pick baseball because baseball is so statistically driven that you really need to know so little about the actual sport because you can just use different statistics to evaluate players. No, wait, I changed my mind. I'm very good at statistics. I'd like to change my answer to baseball. Okay, we can run the Pittsburgh Pirates. Inevitably do better. Low bar. Low bar. Well, I think that's all we've got. So stay tuned for our next episode. We'll talk more about the NFL and... Well, whatever else comes our way. Yeah, make sure to give us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. We are on Apple Podcast, Google Music. I think it's Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. And Spotify and a bunch of other places too. So leave us a good review. And uh, don't forget to keep sports simple, stupid. <laughs> <laughs>